thank you, Gary, last week for filling in for me a much-needed staycation. It was awesome. Some great things from the Word that Gary shared with us last week. And it, it just continues in the theme of just seeking the Lord, asking for His help in all circumstances. And so uh, I just want to continue with that theme this morning a little bit, especially in the area of the blessing, which I'm going to be talking about. So Genesis 27. As we've been going through, trekking through Genesis, we've been looking at some pretty cool people. People who remind me a lot of you for some reason. What? Yes, they blow it a lot. It's wonderful. And not me, of course. You're like, for some reason, they remind me of you. No. But what I love about looking at these characters, looking at Adam, looking at Noah, looking at Abraham, now looking at Isaac, and then now looking at Jacob, Men, their wives, women, prone to, to the, the failures of life, prone to re- trusting in ourselves and our abilities, trying to make the plans of God happening, being fearful people, afraid of things around them. And God is so faithful to take each one and bring them to maturity, trusting him. And what I love about the scriptures, it just shows the good and the bad and the ugly of all these people. We're going to continue to see that as we go through. But if we remember last time, a couple of weeks ago, Genesis 27, Isaac was really, he was old. He was at the end of his life. He had two twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau came out first. He was the older. Jacob was younger. And there was a, uh, a prayer that uh, Rebecca, the mother of Jacob and Isaac, had while she was in, you know, pregnant with these two babies inside of her, and like, what in the world is going on, Lord? We've talked about this a couple times. And two nations were struggling within her, and and the scriptures, the New Testament teaches, it was a picture of the flesh and the spirit wrestling within her. And so she's a picture of of the type of Christ. So we have that same wrestling within us. We have those two things wrestling within us, the spirit of God in our flesh. And Esau here is a type of the flesh, and we'll see how he lives out things. And Jacob is a type of the spirit. It doesn't work out perfectly, right? Because no type is perfect. But Isaac's old, and it came time for him to give the blessings to his sons. And Isaac, he really loved to eat, and he loved to eat certain food. And I I can relate to that. And there was a certain type of soup that he just absolutely craved. And his son Esau, he would go out and hunt this wild game. Esau was a man's man. He'd go out there and hunt this wild game, and he'd bring it and prepare it in such a way his dad just absolutely loved it. And he told him in chapter 27, hey, go, uh, Esau, I want you to go out there and get me that game. I want you to bring it here. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you the blessing. And he tried to, he desired to bless his, his favorite son, Esau. And there was favoritism going on in the family, and we've talked about that. Esau happened to be the oldest, so go get that meat. Well, this is the thing. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, she overheard this situation going on in the tent, and she goes, hey, you know what? My favorite is Jacob. And so I'm going to do a little deception while he's out. I'm going to go ahead and send, uh, get Jacob to go get some uh, goat uh, from the flock, bring it back. We're going to slaughter it, and I know how to make that food he loves. And so I'm going to make this food. And by the way, I'm going to go ahead and put that uh, Esau's clothes on my son Jacob because he was smooth as a grape, right? 
Not the man's man guy, right? And so he goes out, Esau's gone, and Mama has this idea to usurp her husband's plan. Wonderful family dynamic. Anybody ever had this stuff going on? <clears throat> Lovely family, and we can see that this gets trained into the kids that they have. But they're out there, he's out there hunting, and so Jacob, he puts on Esau's clothes. His mom takes the skins even from the goats they just had and put them on his arms. Because Esau was, how hairy was Esau? Put it on his neck. And so the guy smells like Esau. He, he, he feels like Esau. He brings the same food as Esau, and it comes to Isaac. And he presents this to his dad, Isaac. Uh, Jacob comes and presents this stuff to Isaac. And Isaac thinks something is up. He can tell by the sound of Jacob's voice that it's, it's not Esau. It's just something's off. His voice is different. But you see, Jacob, he smelled like Esau. He felt like Esau. The food tasted exactly like the one that Esau made. But the voice was not Esau's. And so Isaac, he was deceived because he relied upon his senses. He, he, he relied upon how he felt, but not upon what he heard. And this is really, really important for us as a church. Part of growing in Christ is to not be led by our passions, not to be led by our senses and our desires, but by the word of God, what it says. And how many times you, you're reading something that the Bible says, and you're going, no, nah, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel good. I don't, it's not politically correct. It's not socially acceptable. It's not my way. Boy, we love to have God's way match up with ours, amen? Because mine is the kingdom forever and ever, amen. And God, when, when I get your rubber stamp on what I'm doing, oh, everything is awesome. But when you tell me to love my enemies, ah, oh, what do you mean? I, you mean not crush them into dirt? But pray for them? What's with that? Someone asks you to go a mile, you go two? Someone takes your cloak, you give them something else as well. What is that? What is that kind of life? Give and it shall be given? That's the upside down kingdom. And friends, when we've been born again by the Spirit of God who comes into our lives, that is a foreign concept to us as humans who are by nature fallen and in opposition to God's kingdom. And so we have two kingdoms warring within us. One of feelings, one of passions, one of flesh, which sometimes line up with the will of God. Sometimes they don't. But we have to rely upon what God says and not what we feel all the time. Or what seems to make sense. Or what is the rational decision before us. We have to seek the mind of Christ. Because Isaac, he sat there <clears throat> and he was deceived by his senses. He heard it. He knew something was off, but he let himself be given over because the guy was led by his stomach. He wanted that soup. We see this connection. He loved his son. He had favoritism going on. He was a man who was led by the flesh more than the spirit. Not that we can't eat soup and love our sons, okay? Don't get me wrong. But there was an overriding aspect of his life that was led by the flesh. Hebrews teaches us that we grow in our ability to discern good and evil. 
by the constant use of God's word in our lives. That is, he, he got, he really kind of shot one across the bow at the church. He said, you know what, you should be teachers by now. How long have you been in the church? You should be teaching others by now. But I can't even tell you the elementary things. I'm not talking to you, of course. But I can't even tell you the elementary things. Because you, you don't understand the elementary things. We can't even get a, 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 a beyond those things. Because you're not chewing on the word. You're not letting it take its effect in your life. Boy, Paul, I, I believe it was the, the writer was Paul, whoever it was, of Hebrew. That's a hard thing to take. But who wants to die to self and open this thing up and let it change your life? When it's so much easier to click and to look and to, I mean, it's so easy. And to be led by the Spirit is a, is a very difficult thing in this world. It Actually, it's, it's excruciating. It's kind of like you're dying to self. And what did Jesus say? If you want to be my disciple, you pick up your cross, you deny yourself, and you follow me daily. doesn't mean we can't have these other enjoyments in our life. It means we're not ruled by them. We're led by the Spirit. And so, sadly, these things are overtaking Isaac. He's, uh, he's lacking that spiritual discernment at this time. And he is deceived by his senses. And, he, and we can do the same. We can engage in counterfeit worship. We can engage in counterfeit discipleship, counterfeit Christianity. It's so easy for us to do unless we are acutely tuned to the Word of God by the Spirit of God. That is our anchor. And so we must keep in step with the Spirit or we're going to succumb to the flesh. And so Isaac, was he was deceived by Jacob. Now Isaac... He proceeded to give this blessing to Jacob. And while it was given to Jacob, thinking it was Esau, there's something about the blessing. This is an Old Testament type of thought that we can really glean from this morning. That's really what I want to talk about. I want to hover at the end of 27, and I know it says 28, but I really feel like we got to stay here for a little bit. And as I mentioned two weeks ago, the blessing has, has two parts to it, two major parts. And the first is a proclamation, the second is a revelation. If you're taking notes, a proclamation, a, revela a revelation. The proclamation that he gives is telling them who they were. The parent, in this case the patriarch, the man of the house, speaking to his sons, saying, this is who you are. And the second is a revelation. This is where you are going. This is who you are and where you are going. As we closed last time, when Esau found out that he had now been deceived out of that blessing, which, which was to be given to the oldest son, he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. And this is because he desired to receive this from his father. Above that birthright, which he had lost, he needed to know from his dad who he was and where he was going. This guy is 70 years old. He needed to hear who he was, and where he was going. He needed that proclamation. He needed that revelation in his life. And just like Esau, you know, we can be fully grown adults and never have been given the blessing from our earthly fathers, our mothers, our grandparents, who we are, where are we going? And we have got a nation full of people who don't know who they are and they don't know where they're going. And all it takes is someone give them a little affirmation and affection 
and they will speak into that area in their lives that was designed for God to speak into their lives. This is how cults happen. This is how girls are so quickly pulled to, to guys who will use and abuse them. That hole was never filled in their hearts. That direction was never given. And I believe that's part of the role as parents that we have, godly parents. Isn't it a heavy weight? My gosh. And, and as I'll talk about a little bit, we don't even know who we, who we are. What are we doing trying to <laughs> communicate? I mean, this is the dilemma we're in. But sadly, if there's no input, no blessing from the ones who should be doing it, the world fills in the blanks. And so I just want to take, uh, take the, uh, a good amount of time here, 20 minutes or so, and talk about four elements of the blessing. I know there's two major parts, but it can be broken up into two other ones. Just from that blessing from chapter 27, that this blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob that could perhaps encourage you as a parent, as a grandparent, to speak into those lives that God has placed around you. And so the blessing, the blessing is compiled, the four things I want to talk about is first, is, is a tender, meaningful touch. A tender, meaningful touch. Verse 26 says, Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. He brought their children to him, and he, he brought his son to him so that he could touch him. That hands-on gave him a holy kiss, which is obviously in the culture on the cheek, right? There are so many studies out there of the importance of touch in our children in a tender and meaningful way. Tender, meaningful, and appropriate way. You know, tickling them. Hugs and kisses. You know, with the guys wrestling a little bit. Whatever it might be. You know the personalities of your kids. We were made for it. You know, there's studies that they had were, that mice that were given uh, diseases, and they were put in two different environments. And one environment was an environment of that was uh, warm and it had uh, affection. They were they're constantly handled and all these types of things. And then there was another environment they were put in to where they were cold and there was no. Uh, it, it was just cold and, and sterile, and they were left alone. There was nothing warm in there. And guess which ones healed? Guess which ones thrived? And I know these are mice we're talking about. You find that with people too. You know, the, the Mark 10, 13. People were bringing their little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Jesus loved little children. And he'd put them and he'd talk to them. He would protect them. He'd speak into their lives. He'd give them blessings, pray for them, love them, talked about them constantly said, unless you are like one of these, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's something that he just absolutely valued about them. Our hands are meant to be an instrument of blessing for our children. Yes, spare the rod, spoil the child, right? The rod is for correction, but the hands are for blessing. And so there's a great need in our lives for our kids and our grandkids for appropriate, meaningful touch. I can't remember my, my grandfather. I love my grandpa. Man, that guy tickled us till we died. I mean, my grandma would have to yell at him, stop it, you know, like, lay it off already, you know, and I'm just like, ah, again, 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 we just like, so, I mean, he's just, and so that, you know, gets translated here to, to John and Ruth, have fun with them and tickle them and play with them, and, you know, Ruthie, as a daughter, you know, she wants to be tickled and all that stuff, We t I throw the Frisbee and she'll run up to me and I'll 
yank the frisbee out of her hand and tickle her to death on the grass. And all the other kids, all the other kids around are longing. You know, and I, I remember hearing uh, the other day, playing with the kids, and Ruthie just comes up to me in the middle of all these kids. She's like, Dad, pick me up. And I pick her up, and I, and I hold her, and then I heard this other kid go, I wish my daddy would do and it didn't. She was just ignored. Yeah, I mean, she just went on playing, but in her mind, and my heart just broke. It's going, how could you not give your little daughter a hug? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not that it's all about hugs, but I mean, knowing your child, knowing what is going to minister to the heart is the important thing. What, what, is, what is God, has God created us? To fill that void. Because I tell you what, the chances of my daughter growing up and needing affection from a guy, if I don't do that, are what? God designed her for it. And the idea, I believe, scripturally, is that that affection is to naturally transfer over to a husband in a different way. In a different way. It becomes more physical and sexual, obviously. But that is never supposed to stop in her life. Same with a son, with a nurturing from a mother. It's interesting stuff. It's, it's important. It's powerful. And yes, we've got the flesh in there, and it's all messed up. But hugging our kids, rubbing their heads a little more, playing with them, tickling them. John, he needs to rough and tumble. He needs to be tossed around a little bit and have fun and just, you know, he's, he's tenacious like that, you know, loves it. But each kid is different. God, God's created us for touch, appropriate, meaningful touch. And in a society that gets us so paranoid about everything we're doing as parents, oh, you don't want to bathe your kid. You don't want to do this or that. You know, it's like, okay, kid, figure it out yourself. <laughs> no, we're to be hands-on, meaningful, loving, appropriate. Parents, grandparents. It's pretty cool. Secondly, believe there needs to be a spoken message of valued, valuable evaluation. Valuable, uh, valued, valuable information. Verse 27, he spoke about his son. He said, you have the fragrance of the field. You're an outdoorsman. You have the fragrance of a field, man. There's just, this is who you are. This is your essence. Speaking to that first part, that proclamation, who are you? Man, you smell like a field. I know that could be taken several ways. My gosh, take a shower. That's not what he was saying. He's saying, you remind me of something I love. I love who you are, the very, your very essence when you're around. You know, my grandfather, I spoke of that, that. I just, there's a, you know, when you go to people's homes, you just have this scent. You know the person by, you know, their laundry detergent or with, my grandfather just smells like the garage with grease. And, and I just love that. You know, I, I'm going to miss that when he, you know, he's 90 something right now. And he bowls three times a week. He's awesome. Loves the Lord. But I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss that smell. You know, he, there's that, but that spoken valuable evaluation, speak it to them. This is what I see in you. This is who you are. This is how I see who God has made you to be. This aspect of who you are and who God has made you, I see it, I like it. Speak it to them. Say it into their lives. He found an area in his son that was strong and he affirmed it through his words. He said it. He spoke it. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those who, whom it is due when it is your power to act. Don't withhold good from if it's within your power to act. 
And also, I would say, you know, in my experience and what I see in the culture, again, take this with a grain of salt, but don't fill their head with lies of false affirmation. Nobody loses, ever. Everybody gets a trophy. It's just not true. There's competition. People win, people lose. It's okay to say, hey, we didn't win. It's okay to say you failed. But it's in how you say it and how you can encourage them. You can use it as a moment to build up and to teach. I mean, if you're preparing a child, if you're preparing a grandchild to go into a world without failure, I don't, what world is that? Without opposition, without having to overcome. Look at presidents. Uh, you know, I was just thinking, what is it, President uh, Lincoln. How many times did that guy fail in office? I mean, just going for things. He just oh, lost, 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 lost. And look what came out of his life. You know, the abolition of slavery through that process. I mean, just amazing stuff that happened through this man. Great opposition. But speak into their lives. Speak uh Speak that valid, valued, valuable evaluation into their life. Spend time, and this is, this is hard. Spend time to see who God has made them to be and speak it to them. This takes time. It's hard. We're getting pulled. We, we get tired. Not who you want them to be, but who God has made them to be. Not who you want them to be, but who God has made them to be. Who has God made them to be? Is one day they're going to be part of the body of Christ. They aren't going to be the all in all. They're going to be part of something. And God has given them the ability to benefit the whole through the giftings that God has given them. God, who God's made them to be. So a spoken message of valuable evaluation. And really, this can be done in many ways. I admire Gary Benefield. He asks questions. He asks people questions all the time. You know, it's one thing to tell them who they are, but it's also great to bring it out of them, to ask questions in such a way, so why do you think that? Why do you like that? Why do you dislike that? Tell me about that. How, how did you come to that conclusion? How's that working for you? <laughs> but as we do these things, and, and that's a big part of counseling, you can just tell them exactly what it says, or you can ask questions, leading them to the answer, you know? But let God be in your conversations. Uh, put scripture when you're speaking. Bring God into a bunch of conversations. Make it commonplace, not the exception, but the norm. Let the Lord be in, in, in the conversation life. So, uh, and then thirdly, a special future. Verse 28 says, May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches in abundance of grain and new wine. His son was to be blessed agriculturally. He's like, you know, God's going to bless you in this area in your life. I see it. And obviously, the Hebrews talks about this is by faith that he is saying these things to his kids. So this is, this is not just a, a flippant thing. It's something that's been on his heart and his mind and thought out. And obviously, the Holy Spirit's working through him. But his son was to be blessed agriculturally, leading in that area. This is basically speaking into their lives about what you see is ahead for them. Not living your life through them but recognizing who God made them to be and speaking to it. Jesus did this with Simon Peter. Peter, you are Peter. You are Petro. You, Petros, you, are, you are a pebble. 
you are shifting sand. You're little, you're, that's, that's who you are. Well, actually, yeah, Simon was his name. Sorry. Simon means, means, means a pebble and shifting sand. But I, I'm calling you Peter, the rock. This is who you are, but this is where I see you going. And isn't that true? Peter would shift, he would fall, he would fail, but ultimately he would be one of the rocks, one of the pillars of the church. I love that, how Jesus saw into his life. This is who you are, but this is who you will be. And this requires faith, brothers and sisters, praying for them constantly, spending time with them, evaluating them, getting the, getting the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ of who they are. And there are things that I can tell you about my kids that I'm, I'm blown away with, that I absolutely love about them, their hearts, their personalities, you know, their, their natural giftings, their, their sensitivities, their thought processes, how they do things. I just am blown away. But Christine and, and I were constantly praying for them, uh, looking for God's hand upon their lives, evaluating what's going on, getting a sense of what the Lord's doing, asking, is this really what we're in, where we need to be going, where we need to be doing things? I mean, just, it's a constant effort. It doesn't get easier. I hear it gets harder because it's been getting harder. That's the trajectory. But we're, we're by no means perfect. But we're in the game. Grandparents, get in the game. You, have, you still can speak into their lives. Parents, if you feel like you've been a failure, jump in. Seeking, knocking, asking that God might influence us as parents to be a godly influence upon their lives, to help mold and direct who God has created them to be. Setting on them on the path as godly parents. You're commissioned to do that. You don't need to get permission to do it. God has called you to mold and to shape your children in a godly manner. You don't need to get, you know, fill out a government form. You don't need to do it. It's you. God called you. That is who you are. You are a parent of your kids. You'll be accountable for it. So a special future. And lastly, <clears throat> a, continued, a, commi- a continued commitment. Verse 37 of chapter 27. I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. Esau was saying, hey, what about me? And Isaac was saying, I can't take back what I've given to Jacob. I'm committed to this happening in his life. This is what God has done in his life. This is, this is what is going to happen, and I'm committed to it. I've pronounced this blessing, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to see this happen. There's a commitment. I see who God has made you and where he is and where he's leading you, and I'm going to stand with you to see it to completion, through thick and thin. Job's custom of sacrifice for his children, Job chapter 1, verse 4, it says his sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Regular custom. He'd see his kids. They might have been going berserk. What did he do? 
offered sacrifice. He went to the Lord. He started praying. He started seeking. He started going to God for them. We need to be in continual prayer for our kids. Ephesians 6, verse 12. Talking about expending energy on their behalf. Spiritual energy. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you're wrestling with your kids, I think you might be wrestling in the wrong area. Dude, if we spent as much time instead of arguing with our kids, but praying for our kids, there's a dynamic going on. There's a spiritual dynamic. There are demonic things going on around us. And we must, as a church, wake up to the fact that we are in war. And if you are a light, if you have Jesus Christ in you, the enemy wants to it out, right? No shining for you. And one way you can do that is be attacking your kids as you invest in them. Continue to pray. Grab people with like minds together to continually, exceed, uh, to continually intercede for your kids no matter what stage they're at, no matter where they are in life, no matter if they're out of the home or in the home, continuing to pray for your kids. This is how it gets won, church. And the enemy wants to take that weapon out of your hand. He wants to take the word of God out of your life and substitute with something else. He wants to take prayer. And when we pray one time, nothing happens. He wants us to continue to pray. Christine and I have been talking this week. But one of the encouraging verses that she shared with me this week is it 18, Liv? It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Luke chapter 18. You can read it for yourself. He showed them a parable that they should always pray and not give up. How many of you need to hear that? Keep praying. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't worry what you're going to eat. Don't worry what all these things will happen. Keep seeking me. Keep your eyes on me, church. Jesus. But don't be like Eli. Remember Eli, the priest in the Old Testament? He had two berserk sons that were going crazy. They were priests. They were mistreating people. They were taking people's meat, and they were doing inappropriate things with the women in the church. It was just bad, and he did nothing about it. Those are my crazy sons. He didn't go before the Lord and, God, help Like Job, sacrificing, praying, seeking the Lord. Stay committed to see God's purpose and will in your kids' lives, and your grandkids' lives. The, the, the Lord would have it come to pass. Continue in word and deed. So give your kids a blessing, an appropriate, meaningful touch, a spoken message of valued evaluation, a special future, and lastly, a, a continued commitment. And as we kind of shift towards the end here, Perhaps you are lost yourself. I don't know. I, I read this and I, I feel like there are giant gaps in my own life in these areas. 
you know, never, you know, uh, perhaps you feel lost. You never felt you had a blessing. You don't know who you are. You never had a parent really speak into your life consistently on good, uh, you know, about, really direct you. And here you are with kids or grandkids of your own, and you feel totally lost. You didn't have that tender, meaningful touch. It was hard and disciplined and unforgiving. You didn't have that spoken message of value, uh, valued, valuable evaluation. The evaluations you might have received tore you down, didn't build you up. You were never told that you had purpose or a meaning in a future. Your purpose was to fulfill their wishes. You might not have had people who were continually committed to you. You might have been abandoned, left to figure it out on your own, raised on TV, whatever it might be. Well, you have a heavenly father now. You have a heavenly father who has some things to say to you. Some things to do with you. He desires to touch you. To touch you physically. To touch you spiritually, emotionally. Jesus did it in several different ways. I was joking with John this morning. I said, does Jesus heal the same way every time? It's like, no. And the first thing he says is, yeah, sometimes he spit. <laughs> you know, and it's like, he rubbed it in their eyes. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not saying God wants to spit on you, but I'm just saying that he wants to touch you. Touch your heart. Maybe you've never experienced that in your life. To speak to you, to tell you exactly who you are. Your value to him as demonstrated by the sacrifice of his son on your behalf. You have value. This is who you are. You are now my son. And by the way, the evaluation, it's not all, you're so perfect, you're so wonderful. It's, now follow me. Love does not change. His love for us does not change. Now it's, walk after my son. Resist the devil and he shall flee with you. Resist the life of the flesh and now walk in the spirit. Let me teach you day by day. Those he loves, he chastens. Boy, he loves us. Doesn't he? But to speak, to tell you who you are. Did that with Jesus. Think Jesus didn't need that? Comes up out of the water, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. In front of everybody. Again, in front of his disciples, Peter's like, hey, so cool, awesome, glad we're here. This is a great situation going on. I'm glad I'm invited to the party. Let me build three tabernacles, whatever that is, and let me go ahead, you know, hey, one for Moses, one for Elijah, you know, the, pro Mo the one for the law, the prophets. Gary was speaking about this last week. No. This is my son. Listen to him in front of the people. And that, whoa. That public evaluation, that public speaking of who he was, his value. Also, that you have purpose in your life. He has abundant life planned for you. It might not feel like it. It might feel like you're in a swamp. Who cares if it feels like Esau? 
Who cares if it smells this way or whatever it is? Resist it and go by what he says. He has abundant life for you now. Find out what that means. Lean into him. You have a place in this community of believers, a place in his plan. You have a skill. You have a gift. You have a purpose that he created you for. If you just come to him and walk with him, walk with us. A purpose that he created you for. And also to take comfort. Your father in heaven is continually committed to you. He is continually committed to you. Guess what? When he bought you, he knew the whole picture. We didn't. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. While you were a rebel, far away, he goes, that's the one. I'll take it. Oh, but you don't know what this person's going to do. You don't know how they're going to fail. You don't know where they're going to go. You don't know what problems they're going to deal with the rest of their life, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yes, I do. I'm God. I'm buying them. I love them. Done. Paid in full. Mine. My son. My daughter. He's committed to that purchase. He's not going to resell you. Recycle you. He's going to resurrect you. He put Christ in you. He loves you. Take comfort. It might feel like he's forsaken you. It might feel like he's abandoned you. Your body might hurt. You might feel alone. But we know that even through that, his good and his perfect will for your life, for my life, is being carefully and meticulously guided by your loving Father. John 6:37. it says, All those the Father gives me, Jesus said, will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. When you see Jesus doing something, that is what the Father, is, his heart is. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. I will lose none of you. I will raise you up in the last day. It's not based upon your cartwheels. It's based upon what he said. I love that part of it. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. He repeats it. When Jesus repeats stuff, it's not for his, you know, it's not like me when I repeat stuff seven times to you guys. It's important. You have a Father, and today you're blessed. You don't have to cry out like Esau. Isn't there a blessing for me? There is a blessing for you. It's here. It's now. You have it in Christ. Now walk in it. Discover it. It's here. Seek him. Lose your life and you will find it. I want to transition into communion. And so if someone could go grab the kids and have them come in, I'd appreciate that. We're going to take communion together. We're going to pass out Listen, the guys who are doing the communion, we're going to pass out both, both elements at once. And so everybody hold on to them. If, if they're passing it out while the kids are coming in, make sure you get one for your kids, okay? 
And parents, uh, just ha- have some time as we play these songs just to pray and meditate and thank the Lord. Listen to this real quickly. I know you're shuffling. We still have 15 more minutes. I know. Take time to meditate on the blessing. The need to be a blessing to our kids and grandkids and the need to receive the blessing from our Father. Amen? So commune with the Lord. And if you feel totally inadequate, I'm with you. We're with you. We're together. Amen? So worship team, could you come on back up and then we'll go ahead and pass out the elements right now.